0: Wake up, buy here, pay here people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of Joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here Morning Show. Take it away, you two. Good
1: morning, everybody. Hello. Happy Wednesday.
2: Greetings from Tampa, Florida.
1: We're in Tampa. i um, on our way in a couple of hours out to Orlando for the um, FIADA conference. Um,
2: Excited to see all the excited to see all smart the people there.
1: Uh, so, uh, funny thing. Oh,
2: here it goes.
1: <laughs> right. Um, so we, I mean, yesterday, just I, my, we, we, like, like a lot of you know, we've been staying with my daughter, and and we, um, you know, just wrapped everything up, wrapped up our business appointments, wrapped everything up, got the car loaded, headed to the airport, got out of the car, put all the, you know, and I'd asked before we packed, I was like let's pack lighter because we're picking up our car here in Florida and we're driving it back. And so, you know, that way we have like more room in the back of the car to add stuff. So um, we get to the airport and, you know, we pull everything out and we're stacking it and we're like ready to go. And I'm looking around I'm like, Oh my gosh, it seems like we have so much less stuff than we normally do. We did a great job. I was like about ready to high five myself with how great we did with downsizing and then i realized that my suitcase was still sitting in my daughter's living room <laughs> so <a> <laughs> and, uh, so the entire I, flight it's like okay so my fault. no it's no I, I mean i it's it's just as much <laughs> mine because i i should have noticed as i was walking past it i have all my stuff <laughs> that it wasn't there so <laughs> um so we're gonna be you know making a quick yeah. uh, luckily we're going to the storage unit and yeah, i left we, a lot of clothes and stuff there so um, refill oh and we have george too yes um so uh yeah so we're here and we're excited and and we'll see everybody uh fieda and we will be broadcasting our address live tomorrow so um yeah, yeah please please tune in yeah please yeah. to
2: eastern i think was what we just yeah, was the time eastern. and so mm-hmm. yeah tune in for that uh-huh. we'll be broadcasting across all the normal channels so uh, yeah tune in for that we've got um, three Special guests with us today. Uh-huh. We got any other announcements before I bring? In uh, the
1: first off, um, uh, the webinar from last month uh, will be available by the end of the day. If you want to go ahead and, um, uh, it'll be on the buy her pay hair. How to convert more leads. How to convert more leads into appointments. Um, our Anna Maria Beck, who is our fractional CMO, she um she put together some really great little mm-hmm. clips of some of the you know nuggets and um and so we'll be using those on social so that you know getting some uh people that were not aware or uh just didn't didn't have the opportunity to to be there for the webinar to see kind of some of the stuff and and head out there and and uh and um yeah uh uh, be able to 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 get that too and then we have another one that's coming up on the 30th 31st. 31st. Um, marketing should be going out this week on that one, too. That one is going to be um,
2: dialing in your messaging. Your messaging.
1: In your messaging. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talk an awful lot about uh, about uh, branding. And this is about branding, but it's not about a logo. It's not about a color palette. It's not about that kind of stuff. It's about who your community is sees you. I mean how they see you and and um and do they know you that kind right. of thing. Troy Sure
2: so, from NIED will be part of that one. Yes. So.
1: Well and so is Dave from um our COO. So good morning, George. I'm looking forward to an old smoked old fashioned with you.
2: That's George Spat over in yes. Orlando. He's yes. waiting for us. He's in waiting Orlando. for us. <laughs> yeah, He's standing at the door. Um, so, any watching.
1: exactly yeah. anyone that is out there in listener land, if we are in town, <laughs> we love getting groups of people together for a beautiful smoked old fashioned. Um, it's just you know, it's just a, it's really a nice tradition. It's mm-hmm. a nice um, kind of ritualistic thing. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I really enjoy it.
2: Let's bring in our guest today. So uh, let's introduce him one at a time. Let's bring in uh, our friend Tyler Simmons from West Texas. Many of you who tune into the show routinely, uh, you know, Tyler, he's a sales manager for a long established group and he happens to be the compliance designate. I forget what they call that title, Tyler, but.
0: Compliance. I, I lost you. Out, say again? Compliance officer.
2: Officer. Okay. So he, he's on top of all things compliance with his dealership. And so we know he's active enough on Facebook. We know he Mm -hmm. keeps up with this stuff. And so he's always, uh, generous with his time and able to, uh, kind of give dealers tips on how to, uh, stay out of the crosshair. So that's our big subject for the day. And then our next next guest is John DiFilippo out of, uh, Pennsylvania. Glad to have you here, John. Uh, uh, John is, uh, we didn't talk about your past uh, role with uh, Marietta. You've been part of the executive team there, am I right?
3: I am. I'm former president and uh, chairman of the board. I'm now presidently treasurer and uh, on the executive committee. And uh, yeah, I. Chief cook, bottle washer, etc. Right. Yeah. All, <laughs> all the stuff. I get it. And uh, so he's a
2: current dealer. Uh, a, wh- a lot of wholesale work, uh, some retail mm-hmm. uh, work, and uh, like I said, a long time buy here, pay dealer. And then we've got George okay. Montemayor out of uh, Arizona. Glad to have George mm-hmm. join us as well. So uh, thanks for tuning in with us, George. So George is a uh, a consultant, advisor um, agent with a couple of different, uh, products, but he's got a long career with credit acceptance. So we knew that he would, uh, have a little added insight on some of these things. And, and certainly today is not about, um, you know, any sort of indictment of credit acceptance. We all can kind of read for ourselves what the, the, uh, the suit is with, um, that's the uh, state of new york i think is is coupled with the, the cfpb and none of us here are trying to be attorneys today we're not out here trying to you know interpret the law as much as we're trying to interpret what can we see from the cfpb lawsuit that might be you know um give some indication to those of us out there doing my main street buy here pay here to so, you know what's what's a priority what what does the what does the agency view as egregious? And, um, and so how can we stay out of trouble? Tyler, I'd like your thoughts first. I know you, you perused a lot of the the language there and I just, I wonder what you're seeing as a, as a dealer yourself, uh, you know, what are, what are you taking away from that that you might share with other dealers?
0: Um, my biggest takeaway was being consistent in what you do, um, your policies, your procedures, your pricing, your underwriting, um viewing every customer uh the same way but that doesn't mean that you have to sell the every car the same way either and mm-hmm. uh, you know you can have different down payments you can accept different PTIs you can have a cap on your PTI but that doesn't mean that you know you that every customer has to reach that cap and that's right. kind of if a dealer had a max PTI of 25% well it would probably be in the best interest of you as the dealer to not strive to hit 25% every single time.
4: The
2: point.
0: And, and that's, you know, the whole, uh, get the most out of the customer at the time of sale and get the most out of them every month. You're, you're just kind of stirring the pot and, and, and you know, if it came down to being in front of a jury, um of other consumers not peers but other consumers you would you would not fare very well whenever it's obvious through your uh, portfolio and and loans that you produce that you you try to get as much as you can every single time and yeah. and it's i mean I, I have a legislative committee meeting uh with our state association at 12 today and and luckily the conversations that we're having you know leading up to our lobby day next month is is not to this extreme we're we're tackling much smaller issues but if if you if you're a dealer in in any state and you're not paying attention to this stuff at least being aware of it not saying you got to read through the entire lawsuit but just being aware of what's out there um, it'll sneak up on you my recommendation is anybody in buy here pay here specifically that wants to know how they would attack a buy here pay here Google
2: Herbie's Auto Sales out of Colorado. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a really prominent case <laughs> out there. I think one of the other things, Tyler, before I bring the others in, the other thing that I saw in the language is that they, um, they made a point about the success of the customer, the likelihood of success of the customer, meaning they felt like they were setting up the customer to fail you know, in a, in a percentage of the, the cases, which that's something we're always mindful of. And We try uh, to be. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. We, we always are certainly trying to help dealers think about how to help the customer be successful and buy another car at the end of the note or, you know, trade them out of the thing, but like mm-hmm. help the customer be successful. So I picked up some language in there, which some of this stuff is pretty gray area, right? Obviously, when it goes to the courthouse, it's going to yeah. get black and white. But, but I think it does give an indication of what they view as egregious. So, John, I wonder about, uh, I wonder about your perspective on the same thing. What was your general perspective as you read through that? What are you seeing in that that you think ma- uh, matters to the typical buyer payer dealer? Well,
3: I, I think, you know, th- to Tyler's point, um, don't push every consumer to th- their highest payment, to the greatest amount down, to pushing them um, <clears throat> to a point where they're gonna fail. I, I also feel that the regulator is feeling that CAC, in some way is trying to force every every consumer to fail on a loan, which there is no financial benefit to forcing a consumer to fail on a financial loan. Um, And, you know, as was brought up many times in our 20 group meeting, the, the largest expense on your income statement is charge off. You you don't want charge off. You're not making money on charge off. It costs money costs money to sell every single car, costs money to recondition every car again, it costs money to bring every single car back, and it costs money to go out and find another customer. So the last thing we want to do is set a customer up to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, I one of the big things that I saw that I thought was two of their biggest issues was, one, it was the, the add-on products. Um, and I thought that part of that, the add-on products, you know, one of them is GAP, and the other one was warranties that CAC lets you sell. And you know, I believe an extended service contract's a good thing for a consumer. They max your, they they do max the amount that you're allowed to charge for an extended service contract. And they do max the amount you're allowed to sell. And I don't mean max as far as max profit. They max the amount you can charge for it. So there's, from that standpoint. Um, There's a dealer can't mark that product up additionally and get additional advance from them. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, both those products I feel are good products for a consumer that has credit challenge that has an ability, has the inability if they wreck their car or they have a mechanical failure to be able to pull a credit card out of their wallet and go pay off the difference in a gap or to be able to pay for a repair. So, I mean, I, I thought you know. Them saying that they're forcing those products um, it, it was was kind of overstepping a little bit in the fact that they're not understanding why the products are sold and that yeah. they actually add value to the consumer. and Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch.
2: Them. It'll be interesting to watch that part of it as the suit goes forward. Will they be able to prove that part at all? Because you know the customers got to choose that; they got to sign for it. <laughs> and then uh, I would agree with you about the value. Heck, Michelle and I have a service contract. We we opted in on a service contract on the vehicle we purchased, so you know it's not the product's yes, bad product. it's,
0: it's not a it's, perfect thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a, but it's a choice. So George, um, you're again a long career with uh, Credit Acceptance, and so again, our we're we're aware that Credit Acceptance is a major player, long-time public company in the space. Uh, most of us, uh, you know, would be listening into this thing would know that you know, that they're they're somebody who buys deep. They buy deep subprime paper and uh they you know often do it as a you know i guess we could call them an indirect party or point of sale um you know right. source. and so they're they're basically for those who listen and wouldn't know credit acceptance really only sources paper from dealers to my knowledge and uh, so that means they're going to acquire that paper at a discount and uh and give the dealer an advance which is really determined before the transaction occurs, right? I mean, right. the system has already basically approved the deal at a point of sale. And so the dealer In knows- In regards kind to of the
1: relationship with the dealer.
2: The dealer. So mm-hmm. the dealer, and so basically the dealer already knows that that credit acceptance is going to acquire the paper before the customer is delivered
4: is really what I'm, what I'm suggesting.
2: Right. That right. Right. I mean,
4: yeah. Every customer is approved. The system will spit out the transaction, you know, the details of the transaction, Number one being the advance, which then obviously determines the profitability on a dealer, on the deal up front. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, the dealer knows up front prior to delivery, prior to really talking to the nitty gritty of the transaction with the the consumer.
2: Yeah. And just to be clear, I think, you know, just for a handful of people who might not have experience with this part of it, when we talk about an advance or a discount, uh, as we pick an example, let's say that, um, you know, we've got a, a, Eleven thousand dollar car, we just kind of throw add ons out of it for just a minute. If we had eleven thousand dollar car, customer gives a thousand dollars down, we got a ten thousand dollar note, then credit acceptance is going to buy that contract at a discount. Let's use 20%, they're going to advance the dealer eight grand. But credit acceptance is acquiring a ten thousand dollar note, they're going right. to the, the note between the consumer and credit acceptance basically is for ten thousand dollars. So that's that's the part I think that sounded a little confusing in some of the language, is almost like they didn't. Like the regulators didn't quite understand the, the discount part. The note to the consumer is still the same note. Is that what right.
4: you would yeah, say? And there's two, yeah, there's technically three programs with credit acceptance, the portfolio, the collection only, and the purchase program. So the portfolio program, in as much as they might advance $8,000 on that deal, but the dealer would share in 80% of all the, all the net collections. So the dealer would participate in some of the interest that's collected down the road on the portfolio program. Yeah. And that's and where they do it in pools.
2: And I said, I realized as I introduced you, I said long time career. You're no longer with credit acceptance.
4: Correct. Yeah, I've Correct. been since uh, April 1st. Right. Um, then there's the other program, which is called the Purchase Program, predominantly for franchise dealers, where that's like every other lender, where they're actually just buying the contract at a discount from the dealer. And, it, and it, there there are deals where there's zero discount fee. Right. Um, it could be... 55% discount fee, it depends right. on the risk of the deal, the deal structure and the dealer.
2: Yeah, so did you read any of the information on the lawsuit yes. or is there anything that yes. you're, is there anything <laughs> you're interpreting in there that you feel like if you're Main Street buy, here, pay, or dealer in Middletown, Indiana, is there something that you hear in there that you feel like is an indication of how dealers might wanna, um, you know, uh, manage their business?
4: Yes, I mean, Tyler, <clears throat> Tyler said one of the words, which is consistency, right? So, and that's one thing, excuse me, they do promote credit acceptance to their dealers is consistency. It doesn't mean every dealer is going to do it. And that's probably where you run into some problems. You know, as we know in the car business, and I was just talking to dealers about this in Pennsylvania when I was out there for a week is um, there's that 20%, maybe 15% that are requiring all these safeguards and rules and the CFPB and things like that. It's the, it's the, 85% 85% of the dealers that actually do it right and compliantly. Um, there's a lot in this lawsuit that I could sit there and, and, and discuss in detail. However, when it comes to the buy here pay dealers it's consistency. Number one, just laying it out the same way for every customer. So you're not getting into disparate pricing on the interest and things like that. And you cram this VSC down this guy's throat because he was a minority or something like that. No, we're going to do it the same way every time to every customer regardless of what they're buying and how they're buying. Um, and just following the laws and the compliance uh, regulations, that's it. I mean, it's, it's that simple. And when it comes to credit acceptance, I mean, they, they have more attorneys than they do sales reps. So they're overly, overly, I mean, we, you know, when I was there, we could have done a, a hell of a lot more business if they weren't such, so tight on the compliance of uh, regulations and things like that doesn't mean they're perfect and nobody's perfect. I mean, you know, you guys, uh, Tyler and John, you know, we, we all make mistakes, right? When we're doing uh, deals or we, we, we forget a signature on the as is FTC buyer's guide or we don't have them sign off the fact that they did not want to buy a VSC and things like that, um, which can come back. Uh, maybe you missed something in the uh, recon of the vehicle with repairs. And there was an oversight. Um, so, you know, we've all make mistakes. Um, but overall in that lawsuit, I mean, I think it just goes to show you that just, you know, do things the you know, like you guys say, the ten year plan, right? Just do things the right way. You wanna be a good business partner of the community. Just do it the right way. If you have speed bumps and hiccups and make mistakes, just just you just remedy it and you won't get, you know, like I was talking to a dealer in Pennsylvania about is you you know, you don't get the BBB letters and the A G letters from our, our friends at the Attorney General's office in Pennsylvania.
2: Right. So, yeah, I think um, I would just remind our audience, no one here is an attorney. We're not, we're not coming at this from a legal <laughs> we, perspective. Every we're once not in a while
1: we'll it. role play one, yeah, we, but that's we
4: about we it. You guys it. do a good job at it too. Yeah. Yes,
2: we, uh, we have fun. Right. But okay. I think the thing you mentioned, a couple of things in, in that that I think are really important. We and Tyler, I'll come back to you. I just think you hear us in the morning show. We talk about, you know, obviously we're we're doing this uh, session this morning on White Hat Wednesday. We like to really promote the White Hat thing. And I think when George talks about, you know, mistakes, dealer make mistakes. I don't think Tyler and John make mistakes, George, but I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, plenty <laughs> of dealers do. But I think um, the, the idea is, you know, does it look like a mistake or does it look like a pattern? You know for yes. me if i'm coming in it's like you know if, if yeah you made a mistake you made three mistakes on friday and four more on saturday you know that starts to look like a pattern right and so it's uh i think that's where we'd be coming from is you know and also i would just tell you you know as dealers out there just go go hit ftc.gov or hit uh the cfpb and see how easy it is for your consumers to file a complaint and mm-hmm. for me that's where it starts is like a, a wise attorney. I sat in a room, and John D. Filippo may, may have been in the same, um, you know, banquet hall that, that I remember hearing an attorney tell us years ago. Like, you don't want your customers in an attorney's office. You just don't want to see that happen. And so we, we, stay out of to, we can't. Yeah, <laughs> stay out of the courthouse. And the best way to do that is obviously all these things we're talking about. So Tyler, you, your thoughts? Anything more to add on on that particular uh, stream of thought?
0: Yeah. So. One thing with CAC, with reading through the suit, um, and it's just their model. But they, you know, the amount financed, um, in the example provided within the suit, uh, the amount financed, I want to say it was close to eight thousand dollars. It was seventy-eight, seventy-nine hundred, something like that. And then even though the loan resulted in repossession, being sold at auction, and then debt collection efforts by CAC. Uh, even though that was the case, they still collected close to $200 more than the amount financed. Right. So the consumer didn't even go the full length of the loan. And yet they still collected, you know, more than, than the, the amount that was financed. And it's, you know, crazy to think that way. Or, and think think that that's a possibility and, uh, but you got to think about all the charges and things like that. And this is something else that uh, was a Facebook post uh, by Jack the other day it was a, uh, you know, he post, posted a screenshot of of that customer and the um, late fees, and, and uh, there were people that were in the comments in the thread saying, oh, "You know, this state we can only charge five dollars, or this state it's fifteen dollars cap, or, well, in the state of Texas it's fifteen percent of the amount that is contractually due." Or mm-hmm. um, so that's another thing to, to that this should open the eyes on is fees. And how you charge them, and when you charge them, and what you charge them for, and um, that it's you—you you can't just shoot from the hip and say, "I oh, in this customer was really difficult. It took me two hours to get this car instead of, so, you know, the 15 minutes that it should have taken me." So I'm going to charge more. And uh, It just—you, you, your consistency has to go across from sales to collecting charge-offs. The whole, the whole. Morning. Yeah, all the way
2: through. Obviously, for those dealers that are self servicing their own. Portfolios, then that's going to be a thing. John, uh, other thoughts on, on that subject?
3: So I could just say when we were buy here, pay here, I, I we never sued for deficiency. We didn't charge fees. Uh, and one of the things was it goes back to um, the attorneys that you're, ta- you know, we, number one, I never wanted to be in front of the district justice that was right up the street that I was friendly with, with people that lived in our neighborhood, the people that that, that he was familiar with, et cetera. You know, it's, it's just part of doing business. So we, you know, got our car back and and, and that was life. um, I think from most of the cases I've ever seen that have really gotten ugly, it's usually after guys that are very hard on suing for deficiency. Um, and credit acceptance is one of those that does pursue deficiency pretty vigorously. Uh, You know, and and being a credit acceptance dealer and and getting you know and them giving you twenty percent or them only taking twenty percent and you get eighty percent of everything after the advance, um, you know, you look at that and say, okay, that they're doing what they're supposed to do to pursue um, my my part of the portfolio. But if it was up to me, honestly, I would just say leave them alone. I mean, you've yeah. done enough. Um, just move on. And yeah. uh, I. Yeah. I just I,
2: I'll try to remember to find the link and share it, but I uh, I wrote an article some months ago for uh, TIADA's publication in uh, in Texas, and uh, that subject was kind of, uh, you know, one one farm boy's long lunch with uh, the CFPB, kind of, a, I called it an imaginary tale, Ta- Tyler's nodding like even I've seen that, but Good article. Uh, so the idea was, You know, if if I were just daydreaming and I could imagine having a chance to sit with the folks at CFPB, I think I'd be speaking up on behalf of buyer, payer, dealers and saying, you know, this consumer who's a hardworking person who's fallen into a difficult credit spot, um, they need some transportation. It's part of what makes the world go round. And it's like if if you're not going to support a dealer who is willing to provide that financing to an unbankable consumer, then are you going to do it? Are you going to provide the financing to this high-risk consumer, uh, Mr. CFPB dealer or CFPB agent? Because I think we're sometimes going after this dealer who is providing a solution where there is none. And so I think we just, you know, for me, I would like to see a little more uh, supportive approach to the whole thing. And and while, look, if dealers are being egregious and mistreating customers, by all means, you know, um, let's let's penalize those folks. But. But for the typical dealer who's out there, like I say, making an occasional mistake, but making a pattern of showing. And this is part of why I think, Tyler, that you hear us talk a lot about community engagement and, you know, community outreach and all these kind of things. And and demonstrating a desire to see the customer be successful, because if I'm going to try to create a pattern, it's going to be a pattern of striving to help the customer be successful. I think when I can do that, that's a pattern that's going to stand up year after year. I, 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 sure,
1: <laughs> I've been please. just sitting here. It's like, I'm kind of the outsider, you know, new to this whole thing. Um, and I just, I have just a couple of questions. Um, you know, because I, I probably would be closer to someone that would be sitting in court, you know, like one of the jurors type thing. I'm not a buy here, pay here. I, um, you know, we, we teach, we teach and I've been in it um, for just a couple she of years, in. but I'm yeah. married in. Yeah. Um, why do people use credit acceptance? And what I'm hearing is is primarily um it's it's a cash management um for a, dealer. for a dealer, so it's like there's too much risk on the road, we want to be able to get some money back. Um all of that is one of the reasons why people use credit acceptance because credit acceptance will accept a loan that you personally would not because the risk is too high.
4: A lot not. of times, right? A, a lot. lot of, so yeah, everybody's approved the credit acceptance. They don't send out any uh, turn down letters. <clears throat> everybody's approved. Um, it's another avenue for the dealers to help. Keep in mind that credit acceptance was founded by Don Foss, who just recently passed mm-hmm. away. And the motto was always, we change lives. And that's how it was originated, because he didn't want to say no to anybody back in the early 70s. Now mm-hmm. it's 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 morphed into this, you know, eight, nine billion dollar entity. However, at the core, it's still all about we change lives. They report to all three credit bureaus and always have. They only wanted their business once in hopes that the customers would make their payments on times and get their credit back on track. And the dealer makes a little bit of money. Credit acceptance makes a little bit of money, but you do it in a volume basis. And then the customer hopefully graduates to the next step financing you know, area. Um, but I think it, people have to keep that in mind that at the core, you know, obviously it's a it's a for-profit ent- enterprise however they don't they don't harass customers i mean i've never i've seen them where they let customers drive cars for months uh when the payments were due and the dealers were, were yelling at me because they want they want their 80 percent it's like well you know talk to the customer and work with them see if they can just you know if they can send in a hundred dollars a month it's better than zero um i i when i was there they always followed the regulations and compliance. I mean, you know, again, do they have speed bumps and missteps? Absolutely, but I think overall, they—I've never seen them or heard anything about them harassing customers and, and you know, forcing them to to make payments where they couldn't. They a lot of times we promoted promises yeah. to pay. Now the problem is if you have nine promises to pay, and you guys in the buy here payer here arena would never go with nine by here, never uh, promises to pay, never, where they have. You know customer, you know run fell into bad times you know they lost their job husband died let's see how we can work this out but there's a point at which you got to just say hey you know this is a business i mean we we still need to take that car back and you know follow the process with the redemption you're either going to redeem it or you're not or it's going to go to the block sure
2: yeah that so makes sense it does and i think uh tyler you know we we will won wrap it up here pretty soon. Obviously we could all stay here and talk about this kind of stuff all day. I think um, I do
1: have more questions, but I'm just not going to ask. We'll be Uh, here for another,
2: but yeah, I think that, you know, when I look at this thing, I just think it always kind of comes back to these fees and kind of the pattern and kind of, are we, are we piling on? just in in the simplest form if i were an attorney tyler and you came to me and and you were being sued and 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 maybe it was even a class action right and so so i'm going to look inside your stuff and i'm going to say what what do i expect to have to defend you know if i'm your defense attorney what do i expect to have to defend and can i make a case you know that that tyler is you know, he, he needs these fees to make his business model work. If he doesn't have these, these fees or whatever, his business doesn't function. And he can't provide financing to consumers in his community who are in a tough spot. So it's like, can I make that case or not? And so if, if the, if, um, if the charges are such that it's all it's doing is making Tyler rich, then it's the pretty thin argument for me as a defense attorney you know and so that's why I just I think that's the way I, I see the thing as somebody who's you know former dealer and been around this space a long time I just think sometimes what we see is dealers are you know whether it's a max APR you know charging the maximum to the customer maximum payment it's like the question is, is it is it's just a simple thing is it good for the consumer or is it just good for the dealer you know and
1: I would like uh, for <laughs> from my perspective is I would encourage dealers um, just as a consumer, is you know, um, yeah, you, you know, you're always trying to make sure that that this person you feel like they're going to be able to make the payment and do the thing, and they're going to be successful because you know the White Hat way dealer is they it, it we're sitting on the same side of the table. We want to be able to help. We want to be able to 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 um, help you be as successful as you possibly can be. And so I would just encourage that even when you push something to credit acceptance, if it's something, you know, your, your customer is going to fail, don't do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just don't do it. Yeah. It's uh, we're, we're playing a long game. As George kind of talks about the 10 year approach is really about just, you know, playing a long game. Customer successful, they buy again and again and and, uh, we we have them in our book of business for a long time. How about some closing thoughts? We'll go John and then George and Tyler, John, any, any thoughts if you're, if you're, Talking directly to a Main Street dealer out there, is there anything in this this lawsuit that you see that tells me, you know, here's a couple of things you might want to think about in your business to to avoid ending up in the crosshairs?
3: Well, I, I think, and it's the CAC thing with you, do what you would do if it was your own portfolio. Don't do it as you're just laying something off to an outside finance company, because it is your, and do what you would want to have done to you. I mean, I... Mm-hmm. I just, Amen. I, I don't see people. Too many times, I, I see people trying to hurt a customer, and it's just that's. I, I want the customer back. I want to sell you. You know, I know George said they want them to graduate, but I want to. I, I'd love to keep them forever, but you know, and they don't have to be subprime customers forever. But I would love them keeping as customers forever. And I think you just do the right thing by the customer.
4: That's good. Yeah, George, your thoughts? I, I, that, I mean, I just echo that. Is just you know, be compliant. Um, you know, I know in Arizona you can charge 38% interest, um, but it's just be reasonable. 21, 22% on a deep subprime customer. Don't, you know, jam the VSC and the gap and the products down their throat. Don't sell them a car. It's going to be, you know, breaking down in three, four months. You know, I always say, would you, would you put your grandmother in this car and, and feel comfortable with her driving cross country in this car. If that's if that's your mindset, then then sell this car. If you can't say that, then you shouldn't be retailing this car. And just set the people up for success. I mean, you know, 13, 14%, you know, PTI, just do the right thing. At the end of the day, you want your money back. Why would you set a consumer up for failure? You don't want the car back. You want the you're in the money business, not the car business really. So that's all I say is just do the right thing. Like John said, you know, do what you would want done to you. It just makes the the problem with it. I'll, I'll say this real quick is that, you know, uh, it's probably that everybody that is uh, going to do it this way is on this call. It's like we got to figure out how to get those other dealers, the other 20 percent, 15 percent on these calls so they can really hear and that's where I think I hate to say it, but like forced education and compliance classes at every state uh, sponsored and allow the IADs to, to, to run them. And, and just, it just, you know, unfortunately we're forcing regulation on ourselves in the industry by that 15, 18% that does things wrong. So that's all I'll say.
2: Well, we'll give Tyler the final word. I would say George that many of us wouldn't put our grandmother in the car, but it's mostly about her vision. It's not about, it's not. About.
4: <laughs> well, I used to say mother-in-law and then I would get an answer like, well, you know, yeah. I might, you know, so that doesn't work. It has to be grandmother. Well,
1: but I'm not going to go there. Yeah, we
2: won't no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Tyler, some uh, closing thoughts from you.
0: Um, With the, with the, the concept of consistency, we, we all have to, whether you're a um, buyer your payer or just an independent doing special finance, it's, you know, it's not the same with every single customer that walks in your door mm-hmm. Then no why if you got two DWIs, you're going to pay more for insurance than I will. Yeah. So it's okay to have higher interest rate for one, lower for another. If you're going to do tiered interest rates, then have it in your underwriting. Um, You know, you don't want to charge more on a sales price for this customer than you would on that customer if it's the same car. You know, so I don't want it to sound like um, you need to be walking on eggshells with every deal that you do. uh, You just got to be aware. You just got to know what's out there and what the problems are. Um, You know, subscribe to some newsletters and just even if it's whether it's new car stores or retail or franchise or, um, you know, on the federal level or the state level in another state it at least gives you an idea as to what's going on out there, what and what mistakes people are making. That's getting them in the spotlight.
2: Right. Very good. And, uh, John, we haven't had a chance to talk to you about it, but both George and Tyler have agreed to step in and provide, uh, mentorship uh you know to dealers out there through some of our channels so uh i would say if anybody's looking for mentorship from uh these gentlemen with a lot of experience you can reach out to us and we'll we'll help you get connected until we have a more formal platform in place uh, we can always help you get connected to some good mentors and uh, in the meantime we're gonna wrap it up there we appreciate you gentlemen making time especially now that we're in a noon time slot you're actually having to take away time from business hours so thank you so we do, do appreciate you taking a break from your team and uh, now you can go back and do your thing but uh, yeah and thanks for tuning in <laughs> and I uh, hope the conversation was useful to, to our listeners out well, there. You guys will morning. stick around
1: for just a second yeah. while we close Hang up out and in the backstage we and we'll, will be, uh, we'll right be right back, back with you. Um, ha- so good conversation. Yeah, good I still had a, like a ton of a uh, ton of questions to yeah. ask and, and I'm going to do my squirrel now.
2: Oh no? Okay. Yeah.
1: So I (laughs) my physics teacher in high school, he was just the funniest guy in the whole world. And he would stop in the middle of a lecture and he would just say something off the wall, like a dumb dad joke. And he's like, Happiness is seeing your mother-in-law's face on the back of a milk curtain and then continue (laughs) on. <laughs> with this with this thing. And so that dates me. I know because we used to get like these little milk cartons um uh at lunchtime and then it, missing people were <laughs> that's right that's on the back of the milk carton. So that's funny. Um yeah, so that was my squirrel. Yeah. I, I had it yeah, was just it. like itching. Yeah. I had to you share gotta, it. Gotta um way. all right, so we are gonna be wrapping up here and then uh, making the drive out to Orlando. We will see all you folks out there yeah. um, during the expo, and um we will be broadcasting podcasting our address live tomorrow at 2 Mm p.m eastern
2: you want to tune in for that we're going to uh, ask you to think about selling something far more valuable than a used car so hang in for that
1: (laughs) all right have a great day everybody we really appreciate you listening in and then we will see you all on friday have a great day